If you are married, I can almost guarantee you've had a discussion with your spouse at some point about a friendship between one of you and someone outside your marriage. So what about those opposite sex friendships? Are they healthy or are they dangerous? Should we avoid them at all costs or take them on a case-by-case basis? How much friendliness is too much and could land you in trouble? What if the person you're friends with is 50 years older than you? So many questions. Today, we're aiming to give you some answers. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have a healthy boundaries kind of episode for you this week. This is episode number 265. And today we're going to be talking about navigating friendships with the opposite sex as a married person. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed possible causes of pain during sex for men. That's worth going back and checking out. Also make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. If you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice, and most of all, we offer hope. So, Caleb. Yes, ma'am. The topic of friendships. Yes. I actually feel a little bit stressed because this is such a nuanced topic. And we've already had such conversation about it. Yeah, we had like a whole podcast episode of discussing it before our actual podcast episode. Yes, we did. But anyways, we shall venture forth. Okay. So I don't take a hard line. We don't take a hard line on this issue in either direction, telling you to back off and... Let your spouse be a grown-up and choose his friends on one side, or insisting that there can be no friendships on the other side with the opposite sex. Yeah. So let me jump in right there. Man, we're already getting off track here. Okay. I would suggest that if you're taking a hard line in yeah. either direction, yeah. you're looking at dysfunction. I think the healthy approach to this topic is to realize that it's nuanced and to carefully evaluate it as you go on a case-by-case basis and have an open line of communication with your spouse about it. Well, yeah, that's obvious. But I don't... Sorry for stating the obvious. Yeah. I don't think that you can just go out and say, like, if you have a hard line against friendships, there's dysfunction. Well, tell me tell me someone... No, I can't do that on the podcast. Okay. Can you think of a name in your head of someone who sits in an extreme on this issue and you would look to them as a, you know, someone with secure attachment and uh, no unresolved trauma and, um, a, you know, healthy family of origin, good marriage... Oh, you can never do stuff like that on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyways. But I'm just saying, like, you've just said this is so nuanced with so many variables. And then to start off the bat, like, wham, if you actually think this way, you're dysfunctional. One of the major variables that pushes people towards extremes is if there's been a, a trauma of betrayal or if there's, you know, insecure attachment, if their parents had affairs, uh... And that was a huge issue in the family, like all that kind of stuff. It doesn't yes. even need to be your dysfunction, but there are things that push people towards extremes and it's not, it's not grounded wisdom that does that. You disagree? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, you know, if your, if your ex had an affair on you, yep. then yeah, I would say you're taking that wisdom into the next marriage about, you know, if they found a friend on wherever they found yeah, that friend. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would say that that's wisdom that they've they've learned the hard way, and so they're now yeah, going to live case, life with it. Yes, but there's a distinct line between corralling your current spouse with the 
Betrayal fear is established by your ex, like overlaying your ex's issues onto your current spouse versus letting your current spouse be his own person who already understands what a healthy boundary is and can maintain it without the intervention that you want to extend because of the betrayal that you went through. Mm. Uh, We're already disagreeing. It's awesome. Okay, let's keep going. Hmm. So what? Why is that awesome? Well, because we're disagreeing and we're having a good time. Are you having a good time? Yeah, I kind of feel like kicking under the table. (laughs) (laughs) Get it out of your system if you want to. No, I won't actually kick you. I mean, you don't have shoes on, so now's a good time. (laughs) So, but I think we're agreed on this. Like we want to point people towards a thoughtful, nuanced, self-reflective, considerate review of the issue, right? And in a way that prioritizes the sanctity and value of being in a loyal, committed, thriving marriage. Yes. Okay. I think that's where my issue was on the previous, I don't know how far back we'll... Example. Like, you're kind of making it sound like, oh, well, that's their problem because they had an affair and or their ex had an affair. And so they're dumping that on their current spouse. Whereas... I think when you're talking about, you know, in a way that prioritizes the sanctity and the value of that loyal, committed, thriving marriage, then it doesn't make like it sound like, you know, they're second rate goods that have a problem and are bringing that into their marriage. They just have been through something. So they need more protection, maybe, or more, more reassurance or. Yes, which is fine. I agree. And, and like, so when I'm working with couples where there has been a betrayal, I'm encouraging the, the other spouse to extend additional thoughtfulness and consideration so that the other person doesn't get triggered. Right. Absolutely. Right. But what if, what if you experienced the betrayal and you never resolved it, you never dealt with it, mm-hmm. right? Just packed it up, buried it, moved on. Mm-hmm. And now you have this crazy control, what looks like a crazy controlling, like, you know, your husband may not even text his coworker to say, his female boss to say, I can't come in today because I'm sick. He just has to not show up. Yeah. Or something, you know what I mean? Right, right. Okay, so I think we've started out here on extremes too. Again, but that's, is that what I'm saying is that the extreme pushes you towards, the extreme identifies something that needs to be worked on. Okay. So like, maybe we'll get to this further on, but how, (laughs) how that, like who decides whether it's extreme or not? Uh, Well, that's, that's. Because I might think it's perfectly normal. Yeah, that's hard to figure out. I agree. Okay, so here's what we're going to get to later on. Okay. Is if the behavior preventing someone from having legitimate communications mm-hmm. is at an extreme, it's going to interfere with the marriage, with the with the marriage bond. It's going to cause distress. Like the example okay. I just described is going to cause distress in the marriage. So the person causing the distress hopefully would reflect on why they feel so strongly about something that they're actually willing to put a hole in under the waterline. On their marriage. Okay. Now, when you're in that state, it's actually really hard to see yourself doing that. You still think it's exactly. what you your think spouse is doing. Yeah. But on the other side, I would say the same thing. Like if you're if you're wanting to engage in a friendship with the opposite sex to the point where it's threatening your marriage, mm-hmm. then the person with the friendship has the issue. Like you need to examine why you're not able to maintain a healthy boundary. Mm, okay. Right? So okay. It, it could go either way, but you are identifying a thing, which is who gets to decide what normal is? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Talk to your therapist. That's what I would say. I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's no, but I think that's a good case of where sometimes you need a third party who can be objective, who is a friend of both of you or an ally of both of you. Mm-hmm. And a supporter of the marriage. And a supporter of the marriage who can say, you know what, I think, I think you feel a little too strongly about that. Or one way or the other. Whichever side it is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. But most of what I want to address today is kind of, is just sort of like the 
you know, the 80% of couples that are out there who are trying to figure out, you know, what's healthy with okay. the opposite sex, what's not, okay? Okay. And I think what we were on to start at is by noting that we all need to recognize that there's a potential hazard in opposite sex friendships. Okay. Not not just with like flirty friends, but with any friend. If someone is your friend, it's because you're attracted to them, to their personality or characteristics or physical appearance or what they have to offer, or how they make you feel or some combination of those things. And the word attraction might make you nervous there. Doesn't necessarily mean physical attraction or even attraction in a way that would be unfaithful to your marriage. I'm just saying that we like our friends. Right. We probably wouldn't be friends with them if we didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... And so you might not actually be thinking in the, you know, in a, in a direction today, which leads you towards too much intimacy with someone, Mm -hmm. be that emotional or physical, but we want to just start by acknowledging that there is a hazard with friends of the opposite sex. Okay. And it doesn't call us back to paranoia or to isolation. It should call us toward caution, towards self-reflection to make sure that we keep things in a healthy place where there's a hazard, there's extra caution. Right. Okay. Okay. And so I want to talk about two kind of things to watch for. One is the potential for more. And then I want to talk about some warning signs. Okay. Okay. Now, the first issue is that there's often the potential for more than a friendship with someone of the opposite sex. And there are conceivable circumstances under which a friendship could exist with absolutely no sexual attraction without any sexual compatibility. And in a case like that, having a friendship with someone of the opposite sex really presents no problem at all. It's not a risk. And when I think of this, I think a great example category is little old ladies from church. You can go to her house for the afternoon, chat away, share personal stories, mm-hmm. have a cup of tea, pet her cat, and nothing's ever going to happen. Right. Okay. Uh-huh. Jump in anytime you want, baby. Okay. But I can't remember if you're going to get to it later on, but I'll just bring it up anyways. But like in, even in teenagehood, right? If a guy and girl are friends, like good friends, it's hard for them to be friends without at least one of them. Yes, it is. Thinking more yeah. or wanting more. Yeah. So is it the same in a marriage? But there's a great deal of sexual compatibility there. At that point. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, married or not married could be the same. So even if you don't think that there's any sexual yeah. attraction there, or any yeah, whatever, that's possible. the other person might think so. Yes. So this is where you need to have that conversation with your spouse to see if they've got any red flags going or... Yeah, or watch for it yourself. Well, yeah, obviously. You know what? She's a lot more excited about seeing me than I am about seeing her. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Okay, so just kind of keeping going with that sense, right? It's important to realize that many opposite sex friendships involve people who, if the circumstances were different, might be potential Mm. romantic partners. Like if I was single, yeah, then this would be a potential. Yep. Okay, okay. Or if both of your spouses died. Oh, yeah. Your husband my husband and, and his, his wife, wife died. died. There would yep. be, yes. Okay. Now it gets a little delicate to wrap our heads around this because one of the important tasks for married people to do is to stop considering alternatives. Like, yeah, you know what I mean by that, right? You don't want to be moving through life considering potential alternatives to your spouse, like sitting in church wondering what it'd be like to marry to her. Yeah, exactly. Okay? Like, oh, if his wife died, I wonder if he'd marry me. Like who yeah, thinks yeah. that? But at the same time, you have to recognize that if someone is a potential alternative, then that friendship has greater risks associated with it. Right. Yes. Yes. So the key difference between those two thoughts is the element of fantasy. And I think that's what you just identified with your question. Fantasy says, I wonder what it would be like to marry to him or worse to have sex with that person. Right. And we call this considering alternatives and it erodes your commitment, your intimacy, your loyalty toward your spouse. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's a healthy place for realizing though, on the other hand, that someone is attractive or kind or admirable in some way. And so I need to be conscious of recognizing that there is potential for more there with 
without going into mm. fantasy or thinking about what that potential might be or might be like. Right. Which is also fantasy, right? Yeah. And just kind of set a mental boundary for myself there. Now, there's an additional risk factor, I think, on men. And I just very briefly bust up on men a little bit. It's common for men to mainly befriend women that they have at least some degree of physical attraction to. Hmm. I mean, go to a trade show, walk around. We used to do this. Yes. If we can yeah. just use the terminology that's out there, the booth babe. Yeah. And so there's a whole bunch of guys. Like, are they extra interested in that product because their business needs it? No. No. Right? So so this is a reality where males need to be extra cautious or self-aware. And this is from the research, I'm assuming, here? Uh, no, this, is, this particular person is uh, who was describing this is a, um, a couple's mediator. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So... Hmm. We have to be aware of that potential for more. That's the first thing. Right. The second thing... So it's not bad, though, to realize... It's not wrong to have an attractive friend. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. But you just have to realize that the potential's there, the risk is there, so we need to just yep. make sure we keep it at just friendship. We don't go into fantasy. We don't yep. go into more. Yep. And I also think watching for some of the warning signs that I'm going to mention... Oh, are you coming up to now? this? Now, yeah. Okay. And... And these are things that we need to pay attention to. So number one, or I'll give you seven warning signs. If you find yourself consistently texting someone of the opposite sex and it's not strictly confined to necessary communication for work or other responsibilities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you try to arrange more meetings or more together time than you need. So for example, if the friendship started at work and it goes okay. outside of there, or if I, maybe or I'll say if the relationship or... in the sense of like a working relationship started yeah. at work and now you know what, let's have a, a coffee together before we go home. Mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. If the friendship is becoming intimate, this is the third one, emotionally or physical, physically. And and I don't mean like it's obviously turned into an affair, but just in subtle ways, you're sharing personal things that you don't usually share with the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. That's more intimate. Or you're even just kind of sitting close together or you're holding someone's hand because you know, you're know you really concerned about what she's telling you. Mm. And that's not something you do like... yeah. Some like some people are much more. Um, again, I just want to make allowances for some people that would have a healthy way of doing that, and they do that almost universally. And they're just very touchy, yeah, 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 in a in an okay way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is different, right? It's it's like an exceptional thing for this person. Okay, that's a more intimate, right? Another warning sign is if you find yourself thinking about the other person a lot, even to the point of being distracted with when you're with your spouse, or hmm. or you're thinking about the next time you can possibly get together with them or see them or whatever. Mm. That's okay. obsessing. And again, it's good to remember here that at the start of dating, there's natural um, you know, neurochemicals in the body cause infatuation. Yeah. That really kind of helps cement that. Well, this is the start of that same thing. Uh, huh. But okay. it's going outside of your marriage. It's it's in betrayal of your commitment to your wife. If you or husband. Or your husband. Yeah. yeah. If you start getting together outside of the context of your initial or primary connection. So for example, again, you know, someone you met at the gym, but now you're having shakes together, protein shakes afterwards or whatever you do, right? <laughs> or is there something else going on, right? Okay. If you find yourself hiding the details of your communication or the time spent with this other person, hiding that from your spouse, that's a warning sign. If the nature of your communication is becoming more personal or intimate rather than just dealing with what the you need to deal or, with. Yeah. 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 Those are all good warning signs to be aware of, to notice that, okay, hang on. Not only is there potential for more but this is starting to become more. Okay. Or I notice at least I'm wanting it to be more. Oh, yeah. Right? Now we're getting to the realm of threat to the marriage. Or even the other person wants it to be more. Yes. Or the, the other person, you're experiencing this from someone else. Yeah. When you have yeah. no real interest in that direction. 
So once again, we have uh, created a bonus guide for our much appreciated supporters. We unpack more of these warning signs for you and this additional content and made available to our patrons. If you're not a patron, you can also get it by becoming a patron of our podcast. Uh, We'd love to tell you more about that in this quick break. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we're talking about warning signs. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about healthy boundaries for friendship. A well-known family counselor, Greg Smalley, says friendships with people of the opposite sex should be casual friendships. I kind of like that word that he pulled out there. Okay. And he goes on to say, your time together is infrequent. And when you do see each other, you are guided by strong boundaries that your spouse and you have previously agreed to. Mm, See, like, I like that. Like, you've had the conversation. You know what you and your spouse are comfortable with, what you've agreed to. Because then it's not a surprise. Then it's not someone... You know, speaking out of their jealousy, attacking or whatever. It's like, no. But we got, we got married pretty young and ignorantly. We had these conversations more along the way right Right. at the start. But I agree that I think we have a pretty good working understanding of what each other's. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd be able to like sit down and actually articulate, articulate what our boundaries are. Exactly. But I still think it's a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. But like we under, I think we understand Mm-hmm. May it be good to sit down and say them out loud. I mean, we've done that. We, that was part of our discussion before this podcast. Yeah, pretty much. But our situation is also weird because I'm a counselor. Yes. But it, uh, what am I saying here? I'm not sure. We were talking about how like we would know our boundaries and what our spouse would be comfortable with, yep. even though we haven't actually articulated it. Yeah. Well, let me tell you where I see couples running into struggle, uh, trouble on this is is when one spouse does something that they think is okay and the other spouse sees that as an unfaithful act. Yeah. And I'm not talking about like having sex with someone. I'm talking about it's too far and it feels like a betrayal. Then that's kind of tough because one person is like, did not want to do that to you. I had no idea you were going to take it that way. Have no interest in anything with this person. Mm -hmm. And the other person is like, something has actually happened, is deeply wounded and so on, right? And it's a little... Mm. Yeah. It's hard for person A not to be defensive, Yeah, which makes it worse. And yeah. Okay. So, I mean, if you guys are listening to this and you have a sensitivity, hopefully this sparks a discussion and listen to it together and, and let's go from there, right? Yeah. Better tackle it now than never. Yeah. But the guiding principle, I want to talk about how to set up boundaries. And the guiding principle in setting up boundaries is to pr- prioritize your marriage. Okay. You, like you have to pr- preserve your relationship with your spouse above all friendships. Yes. And you want to protect your marriage, but also think specifically about protecting the trust between you okay. as well, right? So the balance here comes from the fact that we all need to have friends. Our spouse can't be the entire extent of our social network. Yeah. And all of us will have some friends or at least 
yeah, we'll have some friends of the opposite sex and we need to be friendly to those people. Mm -hmm. But how do we do that without putting our marriage at risk? And here are some guidelines that we think you should discuss with your spouse. And again, based on everybody's personal history and stuff, every couple's going to set these markers in slightly different locations as to what they're comfortable with. Yeah. But the first one to think about is do not be friends with anyone your spouse does not feel comfortable with. And I'm going to say here, no exceptions. And then I'm going to give you an exception. You need to be consistent. (laughs) It's so hard to do with humans. Yeah. Don't continue fighting for a friendship. Once your spouse has waved the red flag, like Mm -hmm. your spouse may see warning signs that you don't see that are legitimate. And And when you defend it, it only makes you look like you care more about this other friend than your spouse Mm -hmm. and your spouse's safety. So I'm hearing from this though, that if you feel like there's a red flag gone up, like don't continue that friendship yourself even. Like Uh, obviously if your spouse vocalizes it, like, yes, you need to do that. But maybe could I just say, instead of don't continue the friendship, like just, you know, put some boundaries around it because you may still need to have the contact. Yes. So just kind of move it back into a safe area. Okay. Okay. You might have to put somebody on ice for a bit or something or whatever. Right. Okay. Or actually have a discussion. Anyways, we're assuming here that there's not a problem with jealousy in one of the spouses, like an actual legit jealousy issue. Okay. Now, it's ideal if you can articulate the reason for your discomfort with this other person, and both of you can see and agree that that's that's a concern. Mm -hmm. But we have seen the odd case where a spouse with an unaddressed and out-of-control jealousy problem, or even an abusive control Mm, issue, mm -hmm. ends up isolating the other spouse on the basis of this otherwise useful and healthy principle. Right. I'm going to control you by pulling out the red flag card. Yep. And not let you have any friends. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. So there is a caveat. Yes. Now, if this is actually where we were having a good deal of our discussion before the call or the uh, recording is, yes. is who gets to decide whether yes. you have a jealousy problem or I have a friend problem, mm-hmm. a problem friend. And I think that's where sometimes you'll need to go to that person who can be a friend of the marriage, an ally of both of you and say, you know what? I've actually seen this. Like you, I think you have a bit of a jealousy issue. Okay. Or to the other person say, you know what? I don't think you're being honest with yourself about what's happening between you and this friend. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And this, like to me, this scares me a little bit too. Okay. Yeah. So that's the first guideline is don't be friends with anyone your spouse doesn't feel comfortable with. Right. Second one, your friendship with the opposite sex needs to be completely out in the open. So if you're hiding a relationship with the opposite sex from your spouse or hiding how close you are to the other person, that should, should set off some serious alarm bells. Yes. Hiding is... Kind like if you don't actually want your spouse to know that you're texting this person, yeah. then why are you texting them? Yeah. 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 Okay. Don't share private, third one, don't share private details of your marriage with anyone of the opposite sex. Lean on a mentor, a pastor, a life coach, an elder from your church, a trusted friend of the same sex. Yes. Sorry. The of the same sex applied to all of that list. Oh, okay. I would suggest. Okay. So as a female, you wouldn't really go to a male pastor. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, I hate, I, I strongly but, dislike when I cut people off from potential resources. So I would say if you kind of go back to the other evaluations of, you know, this person is safe themselves mm-hmm. and is able to maintain a professional, uh, a professional orientation towards yeah. me as I'm sharing this, then yeah, that male pastor would be fine. Yeah. Or even, or even a, the, a couple. Yeah. Because, okay, for example, Caleb, there's some people that need to talk to you because yeah. of your expertise. Yeah. And we would meet with them as a couple, like if it's a, a yeah. girl. Yeah. Right? Just yeah. for that extra comfort factor for everybody involved. Yeah. yeah. 
True. Like you mean in a non outside of my counseling? Yes. Outside yep. of counseling. Yeah. Like, but like friend mentorship yep. or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or do something with, with the male and female of side of the friend, uh, the husband and wife that you're friends with. If they're married, that's what you just described. Uh, yeah. Yep. I was going to say, I thought I said that, but number four, and here's one that there may be some split opinions on. Some people say you should never be the shoulder for someone of the opposite sex to cry on about any issue. They'll tell you to be kind, hand them a tissue and walk away. Hmm. You might have healthy burn boundaries, but that person of the opposite sex may not. Mm, and that's okay. definitely a consideration. Yeah. The part about boundaries is true, but I do think there's a place for the careful consideration of supporting someone with your spouse's approval and awareness of the nature and extent of that support mm-hmm. and consideration of the potential for more, as we discussed near the start of our episode. So when you're when you're weighing all those factors in. Mm-hmm. together, then I think there are cases when you could be the shoulder for someone to cry on. Again, you're keeping your spouse informed, even if they're not directly involved in the discussion. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, I have reservations on that one. Yeah. So while I said there'd be some split opinions on it, did yeah, you okay. want to mention your reservations? or there's something, there's something very intimate about someone opening up to you yeah. and telling you their, you know, their hardest, telling you about their hardest times or their hurts or like there's no way of getting out of that without there being some sort of intimacy. Yeah. And so I would really Well, can I can I say this that uh like intimacy develops when it's bidirectional, when it's going both ways. Right, but I mean the person's giving compassion. Yes. Yeah, so I'm not denying that there's a risk, but if you're going to share your hard life story with me and then I'm going to share my hard life story with you, and you're this other person that that has yeah, a different potential yeah. than if you're only sharing with me and and you know that I'm sharing this with my wife like I'm yeah, sharing the fact that I'm yeah. supporting you with my wife and we're just keeping it as you're coming to me for this help I'm helping you and it's staying in that you know there's a boundary around that relationship in that sense right i guess i would have a really hard time of saying like why not just include the wife or like if a guy was coming to a girl why not include her husband Like if you trust this person enough to open up to them when you know they're already telling their spouse, why not just include their spouse in it? Like I can understand if you're in a large group contest, like at church or at work or something like that, where you talk one-on-one in a very public space. That's one thing. But to, you know, to meet together somewhere, to have this very personal conversation, just include another person. Yeah. Well, yeah, whenever you can, I would agree. Yeah. I think that's wise. Okay, did we cover that one off? Yeah, probably more than you Fifth intended. guideline. Fifth no, guideline. No, good. Uh, don't be alone with a person of the opposite sex outside of work unless you and your spouse agree ahead of time. Maybe instead of outside of work, it's outside of that primary relationship context where you have to have that. Right, okay. So this this includes being alone in a messaging app. Ah, Texting, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, that kind of thing. Yeah. So romantic relationships usually come out of recreational activities and intimate conversations. So if you're spending time having fun or gaining familiarity with this contact, mm-hmm. however, as a secondary context to what your primary right, is. Like right. if you know them through work or you know them through church or you know them from the gym or from the bank. Yeah. Uh, if if you're having this other, having fun, gaining familiarity in these other ways too, that can very, I mean, that's a setup yes. for something more. Yeah. It's also worth being very deliberate about planning business trips with someone of the opposite sex in a mm-hmm. way that protects your marriage as well as both of your reputations. Mm-hmm. And again, there's differing sort of levels of practice and comfort here. Like some people don't even take the same flight. Right. And I'm thinking of the common situation of an executive and an executive assistant. Yeah. Some don't stay in the same hotel, those kinds of things, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
So you want to protect your marriage as well as both of your reputations. Like there's that right. to consider too. Right. Yep. So again, there's a lot more that could be said there, but that's kind of a discussion launching point, I think. Yeah. I think that's yeah. so good though. What you said about includes being alone in a messaging app. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's not all about prevention, and we'll end with this part here. So okay. while I did just give a list of do nots, basically, yeah, it's also helpful to think about things you can and should do for yourself and your marriage, positive things that, cause, that create yes. resiliency, right? Yeah. Buffer against possibility for affairs. Well, this is prevention as well, but not just do not preventions, right? Because this is something you're doing ahead of time to... Yeah, I'm sure. I think we're saying the same thing with different words. Okay, we'll go with that. So the first thing is to cultivate a deep friendship with your spouse. Make that relationship your top priority, not just in principle, but like really in practice too. Like not yes. just say that. Yes, but actually do it. Yes. Yep. It doesn't mean that you need to exclude all other friendships, but this relationship with your spouse has to, ought to, or should take precedence over all others. You'll be most protective of and most cultivating towards your most important mm. friendship, your bestest friend. So make yeah. that person your spouse or make your spouse that person Yeah, in a very genuine way. And then secondly, your closest and most rewarding friendships outside your marriage should be with people of the same sex. Okay. These relationships are also healthy for your marriage. Yep. If you don't have any, you know, that's an indicator that this is a necessary growth area for you. Something is probably out of balance. If, if you don't not have there. any friends. Huh. Close. Like close same rewarding. Sex friends. Yes. Yeah. Thirdly, build shared social networks with your spouse. Try to find people where you can be friends as a couple with another couple. Mm -hmm. So the friendships and the sharing of life, the companionship that develops exists between you as couples and the strongest bonds or sense of connection is between the two guys and the two women in that context. Like woman mm -hmm. to woman, man to man. Yeah. The yeah. friendship is between couple yeah. to couple, right? I like that. Yeah. So most of us need more friendships, not less. And we need more connection with mm -hmm. others, not less. And so we just really want to encourage you to build that first of all with your spouse and then with same sex friends. And thirdly, to do so carefully, thoughtfully, and with boundaries toward members of the opposite sex. Yep. Agreed. All good? Yep. Okay. We're just, um, yeah, let's wrap up. We're catching up on... Uh, recordings. We're kind of recording three sessions here back to back so we don't have any new patrons or iTunes reviews. All right. But next week... Next week, we're talking about how to calm your body down when you get overwhelmed during conflict with your spouse. Because mm, that never happens. <laughs> That's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 265. Find out how you can help. Go to oif.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.